0: Doc's Watch is meant for entertainment purposes only and not, I repeat, not meant to give medical advice or diagnosis. Always consult your doctor and not your podcast host if you have a medical question, concern, or ailment. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Ducks Watch, the show where real doctors tell you what's real, what's not, and what's maybe possible in your favorite movies and TV shows. I'm Dr. Jen. And I'm Dr. Deepa. In
0: this episode, we're visiting Westeros to investigate the medical practices of one Samuel
1: Tarly. In case you didn't know, he's the leading expert in the most cutting-edge treatment for grayscale.
0: Get it? Cutting edge? Because he cuts
1: things. He cuts Jorah's skin. <laughs> We will cover why good lighting is important. Another reason why colonialism is bad. And rock people,
0: again. Enjoy! Okay, Deepa, let's go to rants. Alright, so today we're talking about something from Game of Thrones, which I have watched all of and read some of, and you have... I have read half of and watched some of. <laughs> read half of and watched some of. So that's just our disclaimer to say that we're not like the people who know every single bit of text.
1: or every. Uh, we never claim to be those people.
0: Yeah, or so. even every supplemental things, but we learn most of what we learn from people who have.
1: Yeah, if catalog. you like ever expect to quiz us on obscure trivia about any of the things we've talked about, we will fail whatever know. arbitrary test you're trying to put us to. So. We
0: might be able to do it with Harry Potter, but that would probably uh, be the only thing. I've
1: tried taking some of those obscure trivia tests on like online. Yeah. And I cannot. As much as like I know random stuff about Harry Potter, when we get deep down into like details, I'm like, I don't know anymore.
0: Yeah. I can I see that. I see that. I've done I, I have encountered a Harry Potter quiz in my day that I have not done well on. But anyway, today we're talking about Game of Thrones, which, of course, is the as-to-be-yet-uncompleted saga written by George R.R. Martin that was also made into, of course, a very popular TV show on HBO. Um, But the specific uh, disease and scene that we're going to talk about has to do with grayscale, also known as Prince Garen's Curse. So grayscale. Um, we in the in the series we see it affecting two characters. The first is Shireen Baratheon, who of course is the daughter of Stannis Baratheon. Who, like many characters in Game of Thrones, meets a very dark and dismal demise. Um, uh, spoiler warning, I guess. If you, I mean, yeah. <laughs> don't know. What spoiler warning, always, as we usually say. <laughs> spoiler warning. So Shireen Baratheon, and then of course Jorah Mormont, who is um that actor Ian glenn is like my number one actor in that whole series, um and he gets also affected by grayscale. So, what is grayscale exactly? So it's like a, it's a very bad disease. So, like in right. the world of Game of Thrones, it is like. The worst disease to have, I would say. It's also one of the only diseases that they like specifically. Yeah, I was gonna say it's
1: it's the only disease that I can remember specifically, but it is terrible. So it's it's unclear like what it's caused by in terms of bacteria, virus, like whatever. But it's basically an extremely infectious disease that makes the surface of the skin um, harden and calcify and kind of like crack into a pattern that looks like scales hence the scale part of grayscale. yes and the gray part comes from in the later stages when the hardened skin kind of discolors and dies it becomes gray and black and you get kind of a uh, rock-like or a reptile scale like texture
0: and they talk about like the reason that you get that texture is because like your skin is hardening but like you're still moving and so it like causes the cracks to happen Um, and it's it's like a very long course of the disease. So like it starts out small and then it's like chronic and slowly progressive. So it's not something that's like rapidly progressive, but it's like bad enough that when Jorah first realizes that he has it, first of all, he doesn't tell anybody um immediately. Uh, but then he like he is the time that he gets it, he's slowly making his way back to Daenerys. And he tries to break this news to her that like he has the grayscale, and so his first thought is that he's just going to like kill himself before it takes over his whole body. So the right. idea is that it's this like very slowly progressive thing, and it seems like it starts on the outside, but eventually it sort of affects the brain, um, yeah. And changes so my behavior and all that stuff.
1: My understanding is basically it it starts superficial, and if it Progresses into basically very late stage disease, then once the skin is like completely covered, it can affect internal organs and then the brain. And so that is what makes um, some of the stone men who are the people who have been like quarantined in colonies and live together and have uh, grayscale and basically various stages of progression. But in very late stage disease, when it affects the brain, it can make them quote unquote feral or violently insane.
0: Which is kind of interesting because it's like, it doesn't kill you per se. It just right. like turns you into a stone man. And that's, that is the final stage of the disease. It's not actually death that you're like avoiding You're or that you're sort of looking for, not looking forward to, but you're not marching towards <laughs> death. You're just like marching towards this like feral, quote unquote, feral sort of yeah. encephalopathic, I guess is the word that we would use. Um, Like stage of life. And encephalopathy just means when somebody is having something that is affecting um, the normal functions of their brain and can manifest in different ways like um, being in a coma or totally having altered mental status, not acting right, not being able to do the normal functions that you normally would do. Um, And that is like the final stage. And the stone men, you see them in the scene where Jorah gets the grayscale. um, And in that particular scene, Uh, He and Tyrion, he has captured Tyrion to take back to Daenerys after he is banished by Daenerys uh, because she finds out the original reason why he became, like, part of her crew, which was to feed information back to people that were trying to kill her, basically. But then he was like, oh, my gosh, you're my queen, Khaleesi, all that jazz. All of those things. All of those things happened. (laughs) He gets banished and he's like, maybe I can get back into her good graces by... Capturing Tyrion Lannister, and everyone's
1: trying to get into everyone's good graces by capturing Tyrion Lannister. Fair, but <laughs> anyway, so they basically have a have like a battle with the stone men during this entire thing, yes. and and Jorah gets like touched on the wrist or grabbed by the wrist or something like that by one of them. Yes. Um, Well, that's the implication. You actually
0: don't really see it happen per se. All you see is that they get into this tiff while they're in a boat with the stone men. You think that Tyrion maybe has drowned. Obviously he hasn't. He is like the most popular character in this whole series. Um, (laughs) And uh, then you see them on the shore and then all you see is Jorah looking at his wrist and he already has like a little patch of, yeah. like, the
1: crackly stone stuff. Which, for stuff. a disease that, like, is so slowly progressive, the initial manifestation happened very quickly for Exactly.
0: Dora. You'd think it would just start with, like, a little red spot or something or like that. E-
1: or even just, like, because one of the things that they talk about for it is, um oh, like, yes. an early sign of the disease is kind of, like, a loss of sensation in the area that's affected. And so they, they tell, like, Tyrion... Um, who's worried that he might be infected. They're like, Oh, prick your fingers with a knife or something to like, make sure that you haven't lost like feeling in your fingers or your extremities. And so, and then the idea is like, if you can't feel it anymore, then you probably do have grayscale and and they suggest that you should just cut off the appendage or wherever, um, has lost sensation. And I was like, that is, this happened so fast. That yeah. you that your skin just changes and like, then that I don't happens know like
0: fast, but then the rest that of to the happen disease first happens for, like, kind of slowly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you start with like what's called a neuropathy. So the question that you had was if that progression was predictable, right. because right.
1: I was kind of like it's unclear to me if grayscale basically starts from a central point and spreads outward, or if it's kind of like random, because like so like. Because in thinking about kind of like normal infectious or like real-life infectious, not normal, but like real-life infectious yeah. diseases, um, you definitely can have either of those patterns, right? Depending non like, what kind infectious of, disease. Right. Non-westeros <laughs> infectious diseases. You can have either of those patterns. You could have um, an infection that spreads from the point of contact, like where you got infected from. Yeah. Um, but if it's caused by like something viral or something like that, and it's affecting cells all over your body, it doesn't have to manifest like spreading from one area necessarily. It's interesting
0: because it's like there are different types of skin infections that can spread in like different ways. So like you think about things like um, you can have like a cellulitis, right? Cellulitis is just like the general term for a bacterial infection of the skin. And a lot of the times it's just like a red spot or Mm -hmm. maybe even like a little abscess there. But sometimes it can get into the blood. And then what you see on the outside is like streaks, that go up from yeah. the original spot but like up your arm or leg or whatever that's telling you hey like this bacteria got into the bloodstream so yeah. and it's going upwards there's also other things like viruses like for example chickenpox or in older people like shingles that particular family of virus likes to live in your nerves so you can like have it and then the places where it's going to erupt on your skin is in like a particular nerve distribution Right. Like and it so, has a specific pattern.
1: And, how, and so with Grayscale, right. I think the reason why I had this question was basically because. So, based on the disease course, it seems like it's superficial initially. And it really Because right? it talks skin. about how just being on the skin, and, and then once the skin is covered, then it goes and affects internal organs in the brain.
0: Which is very so interesting like, because most, I, I actually can't think of something that just spreads on your skin.
1: Right without affecting anything. And, and the thing is, is it clearly also doesn't just affect your skin because you have loss of sensation, which yeah. implies that there is something affecting the nerves or something below.
0: Right. Like skin. it goes
1: into your nerves. Right. And then you would think it would be able to
0: travel that way too. And then you right. would think if that's the case, if all of that's the case, you would think that the way that you would see it is in the distribution of, of nerves. our nerves.
1: Yeah. And not and, just and then from a certain it, spot on your skin. It kind of also then impacts how you would think about this advice people are given, where like, oh, you you got grays- grayscale from being touched in one spot, like like if Jorah cut off his arm right before because he got touched on the wrist or whatever, like would he still have grayscale at that point, or would he have just completely like gotten rid of it because yeah, it's that totally one spot unclear. is affected. So that is that. I had a question about that because I feel like that's actually. I mean, like if you were an epidemiologist in the day, that would just be like <laughs> important to know. <laughs>
0: well, like- yeah. I mean, if you're a maester and you're trying to study grayscale and how to cure it, it also seems like the um, prevalence of grayscale is fairly, fairly low. Um, and yeah, so- and, and kind of geographically localized, right? So that's like- probably. I mean. I don't, I don't know a ton about the politics of maesters and how they choose what they study and stuff like that, but that might have something to do with it. It's it's one of those things where it's sort of like, yeah, it's really bad, but barely anybody has it. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on this like horribly infectious,
1: not necessarily lethal, but like madness inducing disease. I mean, that's also how we treat some infectious diseases today. Like we literally have a, like subset of them called neglected tropical diseases because like they don't affect people in the Western or in the U S specifically, when we're talking about like teaching this or funding it or whatever, it affects people in other countries. So we don't really think about it as much. Right.
0: And in the scenes of the maesters that they show with Sam is kind of like, of course there's their own internal politics. All of game of Thrones is about politics. And so the maesters themselves are also not entirely pure, as we see later with some maestros who have some questionable yeah. ethics. I think the whole point of Game of, of Thrones is nobody is pure.
1: So. Slash the people who are just die. So,
0: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so anyway. So anyway, so it's unclear. And then my my question was if it is definitely spread. And this will become, once we talk about the scene where Sam removes the great scale, this was my question, which is that can you only, it, it seems like it's spread through fomites, which means like particles that are, um... On surfaces, um, because Shireen Baratheon, the way that they say that she got it was by touching a doll that somebody with grayscale had touched.
1: Ostensibly Um, to her face immediately, because that's where she had the grayscale and nowhere else is my understanding.
0: Exactly. And that is unfortunate because it's her face. Um, But also that she was able to have her grayscale um, not cured. They don't really say cured. They mostly say kind of like stopped. I thought they did say cured. Do they say that it's cured? Because if it is cured, then what it means is that, like, whatever happens to your skin is irreversible. So, like, right. the damage that's done to the skin, like, once it's done, is done. Because right. her treatments, which they're un- they're not sure which one of them worked. Because she got, like, a whole bunch of treatments from a she whole bunch of people them. over a long period of time. Or, so- or some period of time. Because Stannis obviously loved his daughter, unlike her mother. Um <laughs> And uh, I like all this little commentary
1: it. that you're throwing in about the Game of Thrones. <laughs>
0: you know, it's interesting because, like, I feel like this is a little bit of an aside, but like all of Game of Thrones happened, and it, uh, this TV series, and I was like so hyped about it, and then I was so disappointed in the way that it ended that it literally just like left my brain. Like,
1: I have like not thought about <laughs> you're it. you reminding yourself now about yeah, like I was the like, complexities. Oh, there was
0: like all this stuff going on Game of Thrones. Anyway, so Shireen, yeah, so she still has it, and it kind of right. just like stops. And so, right. and th- I guess part of the implication is that, like, like, if you touched that spot on Shireen's face, would you get grayscale or no? I think,
1: I think, I think no. I think, like, like, textually no, because, like, the, like, Stannis and then, like, the rest of the household don't take precautions or anything yeah. around her. Like, functionally, she's cured and not infectious We live in anymore.
0: a world now where people are understanding of what precautions <laughs>
1: Me, <laughs> <laughs> right. Generally, um, yeah. So, like, so she got it from an inanimate object who came in contact with somebody who had grace heel Who knows when, right? Like, who knows right. how long? Whatever this, this like infectious yeah. particle Which kind of is, that like, it lived on the doll on a surface without right, any kind for a long of, like, time. Nutritive source for a long time, right? And then Jora got touched, and then immediately developed a patch. Yeah. So then there's that whole thing, and yeah. that was just through very brief contact.
0: Yeah. So I think um, the implication is that it sh- it has to touch the part of the body that has the grayscale. Because my question right. was, is, like, for Jorah, it seems like it's on his left wrist, I believe. His left wrist, yeah. And yeah, it I kind of, so. like, travels up his arm, onto his chest, onto his back. But, like, later on, everybody is still really, like, weird about even shaking his right hand. You know? So right. it's like, can you not touch any part of the person that has grayscale? Is it just, like... Because we'll talk about this when we talk about Sam doing the procedure. But like if that's the case and that one, you can have fomites that exist on surfaces, then like if you're gonna do a procedure on somebody that has grayscale, like you have to be extremely clean. Yeah. For you to not also get grayscale. Yeah. It doesn't seem Which like you can inhale Sam anything. Does it doesn't seem like it aerosolized. No, it doesn't
1: it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's aerosolized. But it seems like it's purely through contact. Yeah. That you have to It have also contact. doesn't seem like It is related to droplet. Not that we saw any scenes that had stone men sneezing on anybody, but like (laughs) probably not. Stone men have allergies. (laughs) And then I think, like, in the lore behind it, it also says that, like, children, if you get it as a child, you seem to fare better than adults. Like, the progress progression in adults seems to Mm. be faster, potentially, or more severe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, there's that's I don't want to talk about COVID anyway. (laughs) So. Grayscale also, I think, um, I mean, so grayscale is like interesting from a number of different perspectives. But I think I think one of the things that I was curious about was where it borrowed a lot of its attributes from. And it seems to basically borrow um, characteristics from a lot of different diseases. So like there's the visual aspect of it, the kind of like how infectious it is and then like the progression of the disease and then the social ramifications. Of like all how of it. And everybody those things, around it thinks of it and talks about it and thinks about somebody who has it right and i think all of those things like come from a combination of different factors basically and and like the highly infectious aspect of it i think seems very much like smallpox yes to me yeah i agree um smallpox is a good one yeah especially for the like
0: vague time i know it's not like technically In any human timeline that this happens, but Uh everything is like vaguely medieval.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and so like we're not I don't want to get into smallpox too much because we're going to talk about a different disease that that grayscale seems to borrow a lot from. But I also just wanted to mention like the disease course. We also do have like infectious diseases like syphilis, for example, that starts kind of more like local and superficial. And then long term, if you have untreated syphilis for a long, long time, you progress to a stage which is basically end stage syphilis called tertiary syphilis or neurosyphilis. And that's when it affects the brain um, and can give you different like neurological manifestations. So this isn't this kind of progression is not like unheard of in real life. Right. Either. And obviously, you you don't get syphilis just from touching someone, right? It's like sexually well, transmitted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, but I think like the the disease that most readily springs to mind when you think about grayscale and kind of how it's portrayed is leprosy, which yeah. is what we're going to be talking about. People today. like
0: involved in the making of the show and stuff have referred to grayscale as like extreme leprosy or intense leprosy. Yes. So Jen. What is leprosy?
1: So leprosy is basically a long-term infectious disease caused Mm -hmm. by a bacterium called Mycobacterium leprae. That's just what the bacterium is. You don't need to know that specifically. What is
0: Mycobacterium's other greatest hit?
1: Tuberculosis, which is also kind of an interesting long term infectious disease. Yeah. That actually entire like (laughs) family slash genus of bacteria, Mycobacterium, is responsible for a lot of like difficult to treat infections that (laughs) people can get. Bacteria that people have, that people still have in
0: different countries. Even this one, people still get TB. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Mycobacterium. Love Bray. Also known as, also known for its other uh, version, but we're talking about
1: the <laughs> leprosy one. It's, it's, it's like a cousin of yes. that one. And yeah. leprosy is an old disease. Very old disease. Very, very old disease. I would imagine like, that
0: something like leprosy is old because of the fact, I would imagine that any disease that has such obvious outward manifestations is going to be old. Why? Don't you think?
1: Why specifically?
0: Because like people,
1: initially when you're just talking in terms about of disease, descriptions,
0: yeah, because people could describe um, it like there's something obvious happening uh, on the like, outside,
1: like 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 having a record of it is more likely with yes. a disease that causes kind of like outward, yes, manifestations like that. Right,
0: that makes sense. You know, like I think, that's probably I think why like uh, nobody has any record of like the fifty thousand common cold viruses that exist, that's probably true. because it's I'm like I'm sure, oh, I'm sure like
1: you know, fever Galen has a record of that, but <laughs> probably, um, but like symptoms of leprosy and and because again of like the which we'll talk about in a minute, but are described in like ancient Greece, ancient Rome, China, Egypt, Israel, India, like four hundred BC is kind of what we're talking about, like the first recorded. Um, instances of it and and there is you know there's always like kind of a chance that they're also talking about other diseases that have similar outward manifestations because like who really knows but they also have done like um in 2009 they found some skeletal remains that they did an analysis of and they actually found evidence of leprosy and the skeletal remains came from like 2000 bc do you remember what it was that they saw in the skeleton no i don't that's okay (laughs) <laughs> I'm always like very interested
0: in like how you decide looking how you look at a, at a skeleton two thousand year like old leprosy. bone, and you're like, oh, they had leprosy. We should probably look that up, and we'll put we'll put the link to it somewhere. All yeah. right. So anyway, so it's old. It's what old. We're trying to say, <laughs> and then of course we have lots of there's lots of descriptions of leprosy more quote unquote recently, <laughs> like the 17th century in Western Europe, England, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the actual disease of leprosy is also known as Hansen's disease um, because the bacteria itself uh, was uh, identified by this guy G H Oh boy, R Good luck G H R Mauer Hansen. That's, that's who is from what Norway was in yeah. 1873, which is um, pretty. That's actually quite a bit of time ago, but it was around the time that people actually started understanding. What bacteria are, how to look for them. It was also around the time that people started developing things like microscopes
1: and using lenses. Which are important for trying to look at things like bacteria. In identifying (laughs)
0: bacteria. Um, Yeah. Because people used to, didn't. You can imagine that before people understood that there were little organisms that went around and could cause disease, that if you just showed up with something, they naturally were just like, there's something wrong with you constitutionally or like your humors are bad. Therefore, you have this. Whereas it was developing the germ theory of disease. I mean, changed everything.
1: Yeah, I think I think before they discovered and even actually at the time when Hansen discovered the bacterium, I think he had um some pretty well-known detractors who had published texts about leprosy who disagreed that b- that bacteria caused it. They still thought that it was potentially like hereditary, which kind of makes sense because if it is like a contagious disease spread through contact, like it might run in families, right? And right. then constitutional in the sense that a lot of cultures associated it with like sin or guilt or like living a bad life Being and things unclean. like that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, which also makes and sense. And so <laughs> leprosy is is also interesting because one of the hallmarks of this kind of this family of bacteria too is that it is contagious, but it's actually not as transmissible as you would think. So what does that mean? So contagious means that you can pass it from person to person. Right. That's and then transmissible means. means basically like how easily you can do that. So like grayscale is highly transmissible, right? Basically yes. you touch somebody that has grayscale or they touch you and you get grayscale like immediately, like a hundred percent of the time, as far as we can tell right. from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, Every person with grayscale can with transmit it to like another leprosy, person. With something like leprosy, you basically need prolonged close contact. Like we're talking over the course of months with somebody's, who has leprosy or untreated leprosy specifically, and even then like ninety five percent of people who are exposed don't actually develop leprosy
0: yeah and you and, and the way that it's transmitted is through droplets, so it's or or like nasal fluids, and so like you would have to be constantly in a room with somebody who is like talking, breathing, sneezing, yeah, for long periods of time with leprosy that's not treated.
1: and getting all those droplets all up in your. Yeah. respiratory system so like close everything. quarters
0: you can imagine it's you know it, it's transmitted in the way that like anything that people who live in closed cramped spaces get things similar right. sort which is of also why like it was associated TB. with
1: poverty like. and another reason why people were like oh it's associated with like guilt and sin because people have a lot of opinions about poor people
0: yes so exactly and it's the same thing with tb right it's a similar yeah. family it's in the you know same family of bacteria and so we think about TB in this country, like people who are in prison, people who live in cramped spaces, like prison, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and it takes the one thing that's interesting that is, I believe they ask this question on a lot of tests. I think so.
1: Cause it's such like a, it's, just it's, like a, tests- it's a- it's Occasionally just really love these, like, trivia kind of questions. Yes, so. and it's a
0: piece of information that, like, I think every single doctor knows regardless of their specialty because yes. it's, like, basically there's no other situation in which armadillos are important in medicine except for this <laughs> one thing.
1: Specifically nine-banded armadillos.
0: <laughs> which is that you can get leprosy. Trans, Leprosy can be transmitted from an armadillo to a person, a nine-banded yes. armadillo. Um, yeah. And that is where some people might get leprosy in the United States, basically. Right.
1: And and this specific armadillo is native to Texas. It's the Texas animal, I want to say. Like Louisiana, the state animal? The state animal, I think. <laughs> and then Louisiana, Florida. You were in Texas the, the, longer than me. I can't believe you don't know what the state animal is. It's yeah, not no, a long I should know it, but I don't know. Anyway, armadillo. And I should be ashamed, but I also don't care. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but the thing that I think is like hilarious in that kind of like terrible oh history kind of way is that leprosy actually wasn't is not indigenous i guess or native to the americas like it's not a disease i mean that like existed in america that are here <laughs> yeah like until colonialism yeah so thanks colonialism, <laughs> thanks, colonialism for colonialism. That. so the probably list. the theory is um is that europeans during the time of colonialism brought leprosy over gave it to armadillos which then became a reservoir of this bacteria, and the armadillos might have given it to people. Right.
0: Which is actually quite sad. <laughs> it is I, very sad. I never thought that this was real. I thought it was like one of those pieces of information that like, I would never, that I knew, but would never like need to know, you know? Yeah. But actually, when I did my um, uh, hospice and palliative care rotation in residency, and remember how we used to ride around with the hospice nurse? Would, yeah. Like, go to people's houses. She was telling me about uh, one patient that she had had, which was a patient um who had gotten leprosy from an armadillo oh. and passed away. Yeah.
1: And I was but like, oh, that's I will really say sad. the risk is very low. So don't be mean to armadillos.
0: And like, don't eat
1: armadillos. The risk is super low. There's no reason to eat an armadillo. That's that I think is from a historical thing when, like, during the Great Depression and stuff, people, Just I think they were called like Hoover. Something Hoover, Hoover dogs or Hoover pigs or something like that. Because people would eat armadillos because they were ubiquitous in Texas, Louisiana, and Florida, and it was everyone was too poor to buy meat. Exactly.
0: So So, armadillos. That was our armadillo corner for this episode. (laughs) We um, could have more armadillo corners. All anyway. right. So as we talked about leprosy, so like we said, it takes a long, long, long period of exposure to get it from someone if you're going to get it from them. And then on top of that, it then can take many, many months or years to even have symptoms, which is yeah, unfortunate. Like up to 20
1: something years.
0: Yeah. Which was similar to uh, rabies. Right when we talked about rabies, yeah, another it another horrible situation. To, to, to years to have <laughs> symptoms, and the yep. main symptoms, the ones that you know about, are the cutaneous lesions. Which cutaneous means skin lesion. What does lesion even mean? Lesion just means lesion like. Means a lesion means lesion.
1: You all know what lesions mean. Yeah,
0: a lesion is just like
1: what we. It's like a catch-all term. <laughs> you know term. what lesions are.
0: It's just like a spot, whatever. Um, and so you can get uh these. I remember. I do remember pale pink patches. Wasn't that one of the yep. things like for leprosy? That's like a word, yes, a buzzword. Pale word? pink patch. pale pink patches. Um, And then over time, they can develop into things like nodules and things like that. And and they're sort of progressive, you can have like, you can have many on your body. And that's where this like idea of like the leper sort of came from.
1: Yeah. And then in addition to the cutaneous lesions, you also have peripheral neuropathy, which is also seemingly what grayscale gives you. And that just means peripheral means the nerves. Outside of your spine and brain, because that's your central nervous system. So your peripheral nervous system is all of the other nerves. And then your feet that stuff is like what we talked about earlier, which is where your nerves kind of don't work right. So those pale pink patches that develop, they can also be insensitive to temperature or to pain. So they are correct. Like you kind of can test those patches the same way you don't poke people with knives, but you can poke those patches with like these little pins and stuff that we'll use in clinic to test people's sensitivity to see if their nerve nerves are intact basically yeah um and you do use that to like test for sensation you don't use knives but we do poke people <laughs> please don't so. use. Knives.
0: they actually make yeah. like very specific pokey things
1: yeah they're to, very to small and one thing yeah <laughs> we um, don't poke people with knives
0: like most diseases, Except when they need like, it, like in surgery <laughs> <laughs> there's um there's a range obviously of like whatchamacallit manifestations so you can have like mild disease you can have severe disease um the most severe is when you have like lots of lesions all over your skin um you can even have uh like your mucous membranes which are like basically mucous membrane is like any kind of like moist (laughs) of your body so it's like your mouth like around your eyes that in your nose that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. those things can get affected um so you can have like blindness you can maybe not speak properly you can have destruction of your nasal tissue which is also very bad you can have some damage to your internal organs um and then the neuropathy is bad because then you can't feel things um so that means that you can injure those areas easily and then you can like lose fingers they can get burned um It's kind of similar to people who have really uncontrolled diabetes. They can also get like very bad things that happen. Yeah. Yeah. They can get very bad things that happen to like their hands and feet and stuff like that. Like my, my dad, who's an endocrinologist, had a patient once who had such bad peripheral neuropathy that he was like, um, uh, it was the summer and he was like out washing his car and he didn't even notice that he had like burned the bottom of his feet. Like he was barefoot on the like pavement and he had had gotten these like burns on the bottom of his feet the only way he noticed was like he like went to sleep and then woke up and like had all of this like fluid (laughs) from his burn like on his sheets and he was like what the heck is that and it was from his i've also seen like
1: patients in um in medical school at like the va who had really poorly controlled diabetes who would come in and they would have like actual gangrene like on their foot or something like that which is like don't even know like yeah like their toes or part of their foot had died and was essentially rotting while it was still attached. And they yeah. couldn't tell because they can't feel anything in that area. And so probably what happened was like it got injured, potentially even got infected, but they like couldn't tell. Um and then over time it died. And so that's like I think that manifestation of leprosy, like the most severe form, is kind of what people think of because like historically when people are talking about, like, lepers and the stigma attached to lepers or people with leprosy, um, it was because of this kind of, like, physical disfigurement. So, yeah. like, issues with their their nose um, and, like, their missing fingers, missing toes, things like that. So, like, that's what people think of um, when they think of people with leprosy. But there's also less severe forms than that. So, like, the least severe... You just have, like, a few surface lesions with some loss of sensation, but you don't necessarily even develop any of the other symptoms involving, like, you know, the mucous membranes or anything like that. All the big badness. And then the most common form is actually just, like, it's called borderline. And it basically (laughs) just means that it is borderline to either like the least be, or the most severe It go one way or forms. the other way. We just don't know. And, and it can either, and it changes a little bit over time. Like it could actually get worse potentially or it could get better or not better, but less severe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course we know the like social ramifications of all of that, which is that people back in the day, like in the Middle Ages, they used to have leper colonies that were often like, Founded under like religious or like monastic orders and things like that. So they used to just like keep everybody together, which was not uncommon for disease back then, which was just like it's almost it's not really quarantining, but it's just they would just group people with a disease together to try to care for them or whatever. Because it was yeah, like, well, it all of like, you already
1: have it. So we'll put you together. It wasn't like together. a strictly enforced quarantine or anything like that. It was like it's more like building a community community for because not it wasn't even just people with lepers who were necessarily at these colonies or houses or hospitals like other people with skin conditions could go there too and i think it was mostly because like because of the disfigurement and the belief that it was highly contagious like they would kind of be shunned in right like other communities that they tried to be a part of so like some of these other communities or leper colonies um got formed so that people could actually like live their Just lives, live their lives,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw that you had written that some of them
1: had their own like currency, basically. Yeah, because people believed that like it could be passed through money, so they didn't want people with leprosy to handle their money. So they were like, some of these colonies like made their own money or tokens or whatever for that's awesome. for their economy because they were like, we yeah. can't use regular money because nobody aren't will touch it. the
0: money. <laughs> yeah, I mean. There's a huge, a huge, a huge amount of still stigma against leprosy, I think because of these like historic, the historical, um, what should I call it? Like the, the, his- the history of leprosy basically, yeah. like it's, it's a disease that like so specifically has this story of like calling somebody a leper. Like they could probably, they probably called people lepers who didn't even have leprosy. Right. You know? Like they had something else, but like the disease itself is like a catch all term for like people that were shunned from society because of like some kind of physical disfigurement or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, Like the notion that you'd have to carry a clapper or a bell to like warn people that you were coming near is like so grim. Yes. Um, How do we treat leprosy? I mean, how did they treat leprosy? It was like (laughs) the same way they treated everything, which was just like. Blood, <laughs> random things that you thought were magic. <laughs> the first
1: thing, the first thing everybody thinks historically is like, let's try some blood.
0: Let's fu- let's try blood, but specifically of people who we think of as quote unquote pure
1: children. Right. So children, virgins, virgins
0: dogs, dogs lambs. or
1: lambs, depending on like where. You went for advice, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cobra venom. Let's give you something that's maybe more poisonous. Uh, bee stings. Cool. I read this
1: one thing that said this. I forget I forget who it was, but it'll be in the liner notes. Like the, the link to the article will be in the liner notes. But one of the articles I read said that like this one person said bee stings up to like some ridiculous number. I want to say like over 100 bee stings. He was like, that's how you fix leprosy. And I was like, that's... You're like, that seems intense." <laughs> but also, like, how would you come to that conclusion?
0: <laughs> the guy was like, you have things on your skin. Let's add more things on your skin to displace the leprosy skin. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, man. Fish poop, that's interesting. I don't know what the... That climbing fish?
1: Yeah, it's specifically... Uh, there was a text that referred to using the poop from the anabas, which is some kind of climbing fish... Interesting. Then, of course, mercury,
0: right. which, you know, they probably also was tried to cure like lots of things. Yeah.
1: Uh, but the thing that actually, historically, that was used that did seem to work to a certain extent and then was used to develop our, like, well, actually, no, it wasn't used to develop our current treatments. But it was basically used up into like, the 1940s is something called, um, I'm going to pronounce this super wrong, but chelmugra oil. Okay which is um, something that's used in, like, Ayurvedic and traditional Chinese medicine relatively commonly. But it's it's like this oil that is distilled from, I forget which plant, but again, it'll be in the liner notes, that you either, that historically you would take orally for the most part. Okay. Um, but but then over time, needing. yeah, over time they would try to, like, they tried different formulations, and I just like pulled this quote from Wikipedia because it just talks about like how difficult it was to it use seems this oil. Terrible, and it says administration of the oil was difficult. Taken orally, it is extremely nauseating. Given by enema, may cause perianal ulcers and fissures. Given by injection, the drug caused fever and other local reactions. And I was like, "Geez," You're
0: but and like, somebody was like, "This is supposed to, cle- <laughs> to cure your cure leprosy." leprosy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but Except there were literally like feel
0: terrible. <laughs>
1: No alternatives, basically. So, like, even Merck and um, Bayer used this oil and tried to formulate, like, distillations that were less toxic and had fewer side effects. But up until the 1940s, like, this was kind of what people used because they didn't have anything else.
0: Now, of course, we have antibiotics. Or I guess we uh, we have identified what an antibiotic is and now have the ability to synthesize them because they probably were using things that ultimately turned out to be antibiotics. Um, but much like TB, you have to use a combination of antibiotics to treat leprosy. Um, so usually it's like three antibiotics and the ones that we use rifampin you also use in TB. Dapsone is another type of, um, antibiotic and then clofazamine i don't know if we use clofazamine for anything else i don't think i don't think we do yeah this is one of those things that like in other countries people are much more familiar with than we are in this country
1: right and dapsone is interesting because it was um originally discovered as promin, which breaks down into dapsone which is the active Ingredient, so to speak, uh, but promin was basically discovered in the 1940s, and that was when we moved away from using that oil. But then, yeah. because they used that like as a single agent before we had a lot of other antibiotics, basically we had widespread antibiotic resistance by like the 60s. So, like Wait. within about 20 years, Which is and why then they antibiotic did antibiotic it- stewardship is important. Yeah, and they, we didn't do combination therapy or, like, propose doing it until, like, the 60s and the 70s, um, and that's what we use now. And it's particularly – I mean, antibiotic stewardship is always important, but, like, for these kinds of diseases caused by this family of bacteria, because TB also has a very long treatment course, yeah. you need to be on antibiotics for, like, a long time. Like, yeah. now, even with triple antibiotic therapy, we're talking six months to a year at least, depending on, like, how severe your leprosy is. Um, and like resistance can develop pretty rapidly if you don't, um, follow those instructions. Exactly.
0: And multi-drug resistant TB, not so much leprosy, but multi-drug resistant TB is actually a huge problem in, uh, like India and some African countries and things like that, because they're starting, there are strains now that are resistant to these antibiotics and we just don't have a lot of great other antibiotics to treat. Right which is not great
1: um all right so that's leprosy all right so now that we know about leprosy let's talk about um the actual scene where sam goes and tries to cure jorah mormont yes so daenerys
0: finds out you know jorah says i have grayscale i'm gonna go die and daenerys <laughs> is like absolutely not you have to go and cure yourself which is like kind of a interesting command to give someone, because it's like, go cure yeah. yourself of this thing that there's no treatment for. <laughs> it's like, okay, Daenerys. Sounds great. Um, so he ends up going to the Citadel, which is, like, the headquarters of all the maesters. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and he encounters there. Well, Sam finds him there. Sam Tarly finds him there. And he finds out that Jorah Mormont is there and is just suffering from grayscale. And it seems like, basically, the maesters are like, there's nothing we can do, just like Live out your final days here. And he ominously keeps like one of the big swords in his room at the Citadel to be like, whenever <laughs> you're ready, just like go for it. And it's like, oh, gosh. Um, so Sam is like, because Sam was at Castle Black with Jorah Mormont's father, Jorah Mormont, he's like, I'm not going to let you die. You are the son of Jorah Mormont. I'm going to cure you. Yep. And what he has to do to do this is he has to go to, like, the restricted part of the library, and he's just, like, looking up (laughs) random things that people have tried to try to cure grayscale, and one of
1: them, he finds... He's looking for case studies, Deepa.
0: Yes. He's looking for case studies. He's looking for case studies. He finds one, um, and it's in this, uh, like, book that's, like, uh, what was it called? It was called Archmaester, like... Pliny or something like that. Did I write his name down? I don't think I did. But he finds like this one case of them debreeding the grayscale, and he's like, you know what? Let's try it. So he <laughs> he tries to talk to the maesters about doing it, and they're kind of like, no, it's not going to work. You shouldn't do it. They kind of like they brush him off. Which
1: I well, think, you know, and they also say like in in the case study <laughs> that Sam found. Like, when Sam is like, well, I read this thing that said, like, you could just remove it, just remove it, quote unquote, and it would be fine. The maester is like, yeah, but did you read about how the person who did the debridement, like, like got, got grayscale? the grayscale?
0: <laughs> and he's like, no, I didn't get that far.
1: Only <laughs> did the one lit review. Just give me some time.
0: Yeah, it's very funny because it very much reminds me of in med school, we have a sort of... um derogatory term for somebody which is a gunner which is like on rounds you have that med student that's sort of like you know the resident is like presenting the patient and the plan and then there's this one med student that was like isn't it true that in this paper that was published last year that we should be doing xyz and you're kind of like oh my gosh like just (laughs) take a breath dude Um,
1: i think i think that like sam isn't quite a gunner because i feel like a gunner does that to to basically throw his team under the bus. That's true. Sam's just bit, trying you know? to do it to And Sam, to Sam is trying to be aunt. like, I've, I read this thing, and I think it might help. And I don't have the context for things, so I'm yeah. going to suggest it. I'm going to suggest it. And then the maester is like,
0: like, kind of like, I'm kind of being mean, but also I do technically have more experience than you, and the right. guy that wrote this got grayscale. So that's why we don't do it anymore. <laughs> and then Sam goes all gray's Anatomy. Yeah, and so basically he's like, he says, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do it anyway, because I mean... In secret, in the dark. In secret, in the dark, and in truth, his other option is not great. So the scene that happens is he goes in the middle of the night, um, and he has like with him... Cannot emphasize to you
1: how dark the scene is.
0: It is very dark, so there's like
1: one candle or something like that. Dark as in no lighting.
0: Whenever you're doing a procedure, you never want not enough light. (laughs) <laughs> that's always yeah. bad especially when you're trying to do something where like you are trying not to get it on you so he comes into um of course this kind of like small dirty room that jorah is sitting in he wheels in this cart he has this he's made this like ointment and his plan is to debride or remove the skin and then apply the ointment and that's supposed to like cure the grayscale so what he does is he comes in he wheels in a cart Um, For some reason, he's like made all the ointment. But when he gets into the room, he like adds a little more powder to the ointment. And I was like,
1: why didn't you just like make it all before? I don't get with that. Anyway, Um, at least he had ointment, though. Like that's a plan. That's not bad. Like if you're going to do like this kind of skin thing, having ointment and dressings is a good idea. Yeah.
0: I don't know if he had a dressing, but he definitely had an ointment. Um, and then he has, he like unrolls this like little leather thing of tools, which obviously are not clean because they were just like sitting in this leather thing. Um, and it's like some little, <laughs> they're probably as clean as he could get them. It's like a collection of like probes, scalpels, forceps. It, it, it looks like what you, you know, it, it looks like a OR set, you know, it's, it's nothing that weird. Um, and so then what he does is he <laughs> gives him, they don't have any anesthetics in uh game of thrones for some reason so all he does is he gives uh jorah like a thing of rum and he says drink this and he's like what is it he's like rum drink it all i'm afraid this is gonna hurt and then he himself takes a swig
1: of the rum yeah which i was like sam i'm like oh, maybe you need don't your drink. faculties for this man yeah
0: also that you, you need to that pay was, attention that was the part where i was confused about how you transmit grayscale because like everybody is so weird about touching Jorah in any way but Sam just like I get like he has a glove he has gloves on but he like handles a thing that Jora just touched and like puts it in his mouth yeah you know what I mean true. like that right, is after, true. <laughs> right after Jorah has put it in his mouth so I was like okay well I guess you can't get grayscale that way Um so then he gets all prepared. He gives um Jorah like a the best part is when he sets It's like a leather strap to bite on. The best part is when he sets up the book like on the side. Oh my god. With it open and you're like never something you wanna see when somebody's about to like cut your skin open.
1: Sam is very honest about stuff because Jorah's like, Have you done this before? And Sam's like, No. Nope.
0: (laughs) He's like, Nope, but I'm all you've got. Um, And it's really funny because when you look carefully at the pictures, like the pictures are not that descriptive. It's literally just like a man's chest and like a scalpel. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) cool. This is what we're going to do. So it's still very, very dark. Um, So Sam has gloves on and then basically what he does is he uses like a forceps or like tweezers. Um, He grabs right in the middle of like Jorah's left chest. Um, He grabs a piece and then it
1: seems like So it seems very painful. um, Right. But he is pretty. Because Jorah's biting down on the leather thing. And Sam is like, you have to be quiet. We can't get caught.
0: Yes. And like screaming and stuff. Um, Because like if they get caught, like what's going to happen?
1: Anyway. I assume Sam's going to get kicked out of medical school.
0: Yeah. But I mean, like he's risking that even if it's successful. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, well, it's one of those Grey's Anatomy things where if it's successful, then everyone's going to be like, fine, I guess you're good enough to stay, even though you broke all the rules. <laughs> but if it fails, then they can be like, leave. You killed this person.
0: That's true. Um, so he basically, like, lifts up a little corner of it. And then, like, he removes, like, a section of it that's, like, probably, like, three by three inches or so pretty easily. Almost like it's a scab. But then underneath, there's, like, all yeah. this gross. There's a lot like, of... It's pus really is what, we what would it call like, like. Yeah, there's like pus. It's what you would call friable, which means mm-hmm. like it looks really just like inflamed. There's like it's really gooey, basically. It's like unhealed, inflamed skin, which is interesting because they don't describe people with grayscale as having like fevers or like yeah. general constitutional inflammatory
1: syndromes. Right, symptoms. because it's also like a slow progression that seems superficial, but the pus makes you think – so like pus happens – because your body is trying to mount an inflammatory response to some kind of infectious thing that's happening or foreign body or whatever. But like, yeah, but pus is made up of like cellular debris and then a lot of white blood cells, which are the ones that fight infection. So this, this implies that like your body is trying to fight something off. And if, and if the entirety of this grayscale on Jorah is covering pus, like, he would have a fever. Like, 100%. he should feel terrible. Like, he wouldn't yeah, have been able to feel make terrible.
0: that journey. And he mostly just walks around. <laughs> like, he should be so fevering all the time. So that's kind of He should be, like, sweaty, all these kind of stuff. Um, and so then he, basically, what it sounds like he has to do is remove Grayscale, which has now covered, like, all of Jorah's left arm, most of his chest, especially the left side, and then a ton of his back. And then he kind of just, like, I guess puts that ointment on in all the spots where he's like what do you do with the gray all scale? the grayscale bits like, where, do where do is he... he putting this i mean it's a, uh, he doesn't have a biohazard bin unclear actually i don't know what you would do it i assume that he would like put I it in some kind of container it, and then burn think? it yeah 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 you'd have to burn it that's the only option <laughs> you couldn't bury it because then it could get into the groundwater so you'd have to burn maybe
1: it. we don't maybe it doesn't work through water we don't know we don't
0: so, know like... we don't know but Shireen does get burned, and nobody's afraid of the ashes. So it must be okay to burn it.
1: Well, I don't think Shireen is infectious. <laughs> oh, that's true. So.
0: Fair, fair, fair. Um, so that's basically what happens. And then at some point later on, you see Jora, and it has worked. And he has patchy-looking, but intact, normal skin. Yeah,
1: basically like scarring, kind of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that is the basic procedure. So I would say the main things are that for the procedure itself, one, add more light. There needs to yes. be so
1: much, so more many more light. candles, um, so many more candles. Sam.
0: Number two, we need to protect Sam more. He needs a mask. He needs to understand everything that his gloves have touched before he touches anything else. Yeah, I think uh, Sam touches
1: his face and stuff with his
0: gloves too. Oh, yeah, after he touches, touching he touches Jorah. everything, um, <laughs> and that's what happens when you don't have practice. I mean, honestly, like that's, that's what true. happens when you're a medical student. That is student. what happens when you don't. Have practice. You, you touch things. Oh, this
1: is also why it's it's like right now. Like with everybody kind of needing to wear masks and stuff, you can yeah. see when people aren't used to wearing masks, you don't actually realize like how much you touch your the mask and touch mask. other things, yeah, which you should not be doing. But like it, you just don't think about it unless you kind of have training to think about it.
0: To so. constantly to like, you know, it takes training to stop your hand from touching the mask. Yeah. As your hand is going towards it. Or for somebody like me, for touching your glasses. Um, yes. So, yeah, so number one he needs to be aware of all of that stuff. And then it seems like generally he probably shouldn't have done the procedure in the room where Jora was. Like they probably should have taken him to a clean room mm. where they could have like had a defined clean area and dirty area because like I bet
1: that room was probably also as clean as they could get it.
0: Because like what if Sam got some grayscale in the ointment and then now he's mm. just like putting the ointment on Jorah. yeah that's you know, true that that's a good point like you have to separate things when you're doing something with something that is theoretically
1: that infectious one thing i don't remember is do you remember if he like removes all the grayscale and then applies the ointment or if he's applying ointment as he goes
0: it doesn't i think he probably removes all of it because they don't sh- i don't think they show him putting the ointment on i don't recall i don't them. think so either i don't remember that yeah i think that he has to and i think that that's probably what you would do yeah, is remove because, it all
1: yeah because that's because your point is a really good one that if you were like removing some and then putting ointment on and then removing more and then putting more ointment on like whatever instrument you're using to get the ointment out would need to be changed like every single time that you did that
0: yeah exactly so and i was wondering he probably just left the ointment on for a while i wonder if that ointment dries up like think i think it's wet it to dry up, dressings I think it is like a wet to dry. That's, I mean, that's probably what makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, I think actually in this case that would make it. So Well, wet to dry dressing is literally like in dermatology or with wound care and stuff like that. If you need to keep um, ointment or uh, a wound like relatively moist but still like let it breathe and stuff, you do a wet to dry dressing. So the wet dressing is like soaked with, it could be like kind of a variety of things. It could be sterile saline. It could be like ointment it could be a bunch of different things and then you put the wet dressing on the wound and then you just like leave it there until it dries yeah basically
0: and then you take it off and then you put a new one on yep um so that's basically what i think that he did so what in real life what do we actually debride for
1: so debridement can happen for a variety of reasons but usually when we're doing it it is because there is an area of like dead or necrotic tissue for some reason and you want to remove it so that the skin can heal because exactly. when you have like dead tissue and necrotic tissue there your you like the things that would promote like tissue healing can't get through that area because it is dead and so it will just continue to kind of like fester and the edges will continue to like get worse and die. And so if you remove that and you allow like those healing factors to kind of enter the wound, then you can actually like close the edges eventually. Like yeah. your body can kind of do some work. To and heal. we talked
0: about this like a, a lot more when we talked about burns and things like that. But the basic idea is that like, if the skin is already dead, it's not going to heal and become new again. And you right. need to promote a pr- the protective barrier to form again. And so when you do a debridement, you're just removing dead tissue. Um, And so I I feel like what Sam did is somewhere in between a debridement and an excision. And an excision is something totally different, which is an excision is what you would do for like somebody if you're concerned that they have like a melanoma or something like that. Like um, sometimes it's, you know, a dermatologist can do it in their office and sometimes it's more, um, it's bigger or more advanced than that and a surgeon has to do it. But an excision is when you see something like a, that you're worried is like a cancer or a tumor. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to remove. Or is just something that needs to be removed. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to remove the whole thing. You're trying right. to remove all of it. And then in, in the case, especially of like a cancer, you're trying to not only remove it, but make sure that the border of everything you removed has no cancer in it as well. Right. So you want right. to make sure so, so that you'll you'll hear people
1: talk about clean margins and that's what that means. Yeah.
0: And so sometimes you need to do a wide excision on something that seems relatively small. Um so I think because of how superficial cuz an excision might go deeper. Like it might right. be a deeper cut. Um so it seems like it's more of a debridement what Sam did. Um Yeah, that's, than an the excision. Thing that's
1: confusing because we don't quite understand how deep grayscale goes right and because i would also think literally you want is a negative that margin. superficial and arguably you're just removing the grayscale which is formed because that tissue has died then yeah. that would be a debridement but like right. i don't know if you like see i don't know like if you see what it would look like if grayscale were going deeper
0: well because my question is like because i think that he would want a negative margin around the entire area that yeah. dora had the grayscale so he wouldn't just be like so he could do the whole like lifting up the grayscale, scale the center
1: but then you would still excise but then
0: yeah you'd still have to do the the edges and oftentimes the thing about debridement is like sometimes what you do is you you excise it with the scalpel and then at the edges you might just like blast it with like sterile saline and stuff like that um Mm -hmm. to like get those very edge parts but that's not what you would want to do here with grayscale because it's like super infectious and is fomite so you wouldn't want to do something that could just like spray grayscale particles everywhere (laughs) um and so i would think that in addition to just removing the grayscale and putting the ointment that you would go around and he he should have like a huge scar like basically in the shape of the grayscale map basically that's on his body um that's left over just so you know that you have gotten like the extent of the grayscale
1: how long do you think this took sam oh how long
0: oh at least like 2 to 3 hours
1: right i think probably potentially more than that yeah i remember this one time in medical school i mean who was there I, to replenish the candles yeah Nobody. i was helping to, to well that's why he's working in the dark i was helping to debride um this this like this one patient had a bed sore had that had gotten necrotic mm-hmm. basically and so we were debriding that wound mm-hmm. and just that bed sore which was not very big like it was probably like Well, it was big for a bed sore, but it was like probably like an inch and a half or so in diameter. Mm -hmm. Like just to really get that debrided really well and make sure that everything looked good. I think like took 30, 45 minutes to an hour potentially. Yeah. And the
0: surface area that Sam is dealing with is a lot. So, yes, it would take a a long time. And then he would have to apply the ointment. Then he would have to clean everything. Like he's doing everything himself.
1: So, there's no assistance or anything. It's for
0: him, it's definitely an all nighter. For poor Jora, he's going to be in so much pain even after it's all
1: done. Because
0: he, he should has, have gotten
1: one of his fellow medical students to help him so they could like co publish this. As I don't a case remember study. how
0: many other students there were at the Citadel at the time. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Anywho,
0: so that is what a real debrisment is actually for. Um, so I think we have talked about leprosy and we've talked about grayscale and we've talked about how <laughs> they're we've similar. talked about debridement. Yes. Okay. So should we go to our resident lounge?
1: Yeah. So the resident lounge is basically where we talk about interesting or relevant or not relevant <laughs> pieces of information <laughs> that, we that we came across. <laughs> I don't promise you relevancy during the course of our researching, um, the episode.
0: Yeah. So, um, when we were talking about doing this episode, we talked about all the different diseases that this could be. Um, and we, we, there was a whole thing about various types of skin disease that it would just be too much to get into. Um, but one of them that is kind of interesting is something called epidermodysplasia veruciformis. Oh, I screwed it up. Ver good. Yeah. Um, which I think is people have, people probably know about it because this is the quote unquote tree man disease. That um, you've seen on Grey's Anatomy and House and probably every other medical and like show, twenty twenty and like various National Geographic specials and stuff like that. Um, so this is a situation in which um, it's a really, really rare. They think it's a that it's it, it's interesting because it's ultimately like a genetic disorder that causes a very common virus to manifest in a different way. So the genetic disorder is super, super rare. I won't get into exactly what the genetic uh, like basis is because it's quite complicated. Um, But ultimately, it's a thing where if you get HPV or the human papillomavirus, a particular version of the virus, um, you get these um, scaly macules. Macule is just like a big spot um, that can happen on your hands and feet mostly, but they grow and they can progress and then they start to look like the bark of a tree. So it literally is like papillomas that grow into things that look like the bark mm-hmm. of a tree. And what's interesting about it is that like, there's not really like a specific treatment for it. So it's kind of like big warts, if you think about yeah. it, but like a big, weird, awful warts. Um, people have tried like lots of things like anti-proliferative medications. People have tried interferons, which is a type of um, medication that people use, like for example, to treat hepatitis and things like that. Um, and then this medication called cimetidine, the, the biggest thing that people do for this is um, excise. So this is like removing surgically these things. The problem, is, and the reason you remove them is to try to reduce the, devel- the, the chances of development of an actual tumor in those spots. Um, because basically, whenever you have any kind of like slightly unrestrained growth, which is essentially what this is. Um, and as we know, HPV itself can cause cancers. Um you can get a tumor. Um, and so what'll happen is like it'll progress, it'll get annoying. And and of course, like people who have it on their hands and their feet, like it affects their daily lives. Like you can't function when your hands are trees. Um, so yeah. uh, people have to excise it. But what they describe is that like you you have to go through multiple excisions. Um, it can be very, very painful. I can't imagine that these operations are easy because if you're yeah. trying to remove something like this on someone's hands, like you're also trying to then preserve all the good things about your hand and you like literally can't see them. And yeah. so and some of these growths can be
1: like extensive.
0: Yeah, like really, really big um and so there was one guy i think there's there's uh, if you look online there's like a few cases of this all over the world um but there was one guy in bangladesh who was um featured in a lot of the like news documentary type stuff that i've seen about this um and he underwent excisions and the problem is that you have to have repeated operations and excisions um and so at a certain point like he was you know, not not necessarily a particularly wealthy man or anything like that. So he was sort of lost to follow up. Then the growths got worse. Um, and at a certain point, he was just kind of like, can you just amputate my extremity? Because like going through all of this is too painful. And I was like, it's kind of like grayscale. Gosh. Yeah. Um, so it's very unfortunate, but it is, um, I think, worth mentioning for the same reason. Because it's sort of like a progressive skin thing mm-hmm. that you can only cure through Or not even cure, but the treatment is to just remove it, um, but also can be very painful and maybe people might want to get an amputation. So anyway, that's what what we came up with with that. And then we also saw lots of pictures of other horrible skin things that we (laughs) aren't going to talk about.
1: Yeah, if you want to like freak yourself out, (laughs) go look at dermatology
0: pictures. Oh gosh. Actually, don't. (laughs) It's
1: awful. Yeah, it's not something I actually recommend, but... Yes,
0: that's the reason I'm not a dermatologist. It doesn't have to do anything with... because rashes com- freak me out. How
1: competitive it is.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Anything else for the resident lounge? I think that's it. I think that's it. Should we go to our discharge summary?
1: Yes. So the discharge summary is where we actually review the thing that we talked about. And in this case, I think we're going to review Sam's procedure. Like Sam's, Sam's debridement of Jora Mormont.
0: Yeah. I'm going to give Sam... Okay. I'm actually going to give him... I'm actually going to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here, Um, and I will give Sam a 6 out of 10 uh, pasty grayscale ointment um, (laughs) packets, Um, because I think that he, number one, he gave Jorah a chance. He... It seems like technically what he did probably was right. But I took off major points for his sterile technique, his lack of light, and um, (laughs) just overall lack of awareness of where his hands and mouth are
1: (laughs) during his procedure. Yeah, I think once again, we're kind of going to give different scores, but for the same reasons. Okay. And so I'm going to give Sam... Four and a half. Oh, I was going to guess four. Nine banded armadillos out of ten. <laughs> because... <laughs> so basically four and a half out of
0: nine bands?
1: <laughs> Ooh, nice. Four and a half out of nine banded armadillos. Um, because, I mean, like you said, I'm. it's good that he gave Jorah a chance. It's good that he did his l- review. He obviously came prepared to this. But, like... <laughs> He just takes no precautions for his own safety or like thinks about getting grayscale himself at all during yeah. the entire procedure that I'm just kind of like, a hundred percent you got grayscale during oh a hundred
0: percent he got grayscale. Like,
1: you 100% have grayscale now. And after you write your case study, it's going to be exactly like that other case study. And then the maester in the future is going to be like, yeah, there's those two case studies where people succeeded with this treatment. But did you hear both of them got grayscale?
0: Yeah. And then the maesters would have to be like, how do we prevent people who are doing grayscale procedures from getting grayscale? And then they'll discover sterile technique.
1: Yep. Well, I guess, OK. In that case, then, <laughs> nine out of nine banded armadillos for Sam pioneering ultimately the discovery of
0: sterile (laughs) technique technique in westeros (laughs) honestly okay i wish they would just do it in the daytime i wish he had um, just done it in the daytime
1: or just get all of the candles
0: all of the candles
1: anyway okay so that is all we have this week so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Thanks for listening to DocsWatch. You can subscribe to our medical ramblings on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Twitter at DocsWatchPod or visit us at DocsWatchPod.com.